This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think it's false advertising, and the FCC should do something about it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hi, Judd. Happy holidays. Hi, Phil. How's it going with you? It's going okay. Hey, I'd like to introduce you to my friend. Hello, Phil. I'm David. David, happy holidays happy to holidays you. Happy holidays to you. Have you guys heard we have a new quarterback in town? I'm excited about it. What's a quarterback? Well, David, let us show you. The finest gloves he brings, Young Songs by the U-Log. Getting misty over here. Volume 3, set to launch next week. Songs by the U-Log, Volume 3, set wow. to launch next week. We have the the album art, the cover art, all set up. The composer's been ready hard at work. Yep, we are, uh, we're ready to roll, baby. Uh, Case Keenum, Judd Zolgad. This is going to sound like Case Keenum shade, but I promise you it's not. I, I tweeted this out, and I think... 90% of people last night took it in the way that it was intended, which is praise for the collective as opposed to shade cast upon Case Keenum. But sure. when I watch this team, the biggest compliment I can give to Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer is how they created an infrastructure, defense, offensive line, Thielen and Diggs, Pat Shermer, mm-hmm. empowering Pat Shermer. They've created an infrastructure that allows non-star quarterbacks to thrive. There's a lot of teams out there, the Packers included, and the Lions with Matthew Stafford, where, and the Chargers for the better part of 10 years with Phillip Rivers, where the quarterback is propping everything up. Drew Brees for years with the Saints. If they didn't have Drew Brees the last three or four years, these seven and nine Saints teams would be three and 13 and drafting in the top three or two and 14. Like Drew Brees is propping up some of the worst defenses up until this year. In the NFL. So a lot of franchises, if they don't have a star quarterback, and if that star quarterback, like Andrew Luck before the injury, isn't propping up the rest of the roster, they're worthless. The Vikings have done such a great job of creating this environment and creating this infrastructure 
We're going to give you a revamped offensive line. We're going to give you one of the best defenses in the NFL so that you don't have to score 30 points on a regular basis. You can make some mistakes. You can go three and out. It's okay. You're still going to win 14 and nine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do, you don't have to do what Drew Brees has been doing for years with, with the saints. You can put, and again, this is like case Keenum is the guy who was tabbed and he's thriving and he's going to make $18 million a year starting next year. But they've created such an amazing thing here. Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, down to Pat Shermer. You could probably put 30 or 40 quarterbacks, including all the star quarterbacks, into this Ferrari and watch it drive, baby. Like if you were to put if you were to put Philip Rivers, who's been coach after coach, bad defenses, if you were to put Philip Rivers into this system, this mm-hmm. is a 14 and two Super Bowl winning team. I mean, they might go 14 and two without Philip Rivers, right? But that's my my compliment is to the collective and Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer for what they've put together here. And they finally found a backup QB that could do it because I mean, we have we have been through the guys who couldn't. We've seen the guys who couldn't. We've seen the guys who, if you put them in this offense tomorrow and said, "Okay, you played in this league before, so do it," they would fail. Ponder would fail. Well, he, but you can't even, but he's not even a viable quarterback. No, like, but, but my, my point is we've seen this entire list. We've seen an entire list of guys who would fail. Case Keenum, to their credit, was a very good find because Case Keenum meets the needs of what this team had to have. When you were the place where I will give him a ton of credit is his ability to sense pressure and move in the pocket. He makes it look so simple that that we've gotten to a point now where we take that for granted. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw if you take Case Keenum now and plop the version that we're watching uh, back into the Vikings offense that Ponder tried to run, Case Keenum was going to be far more successful because Christian couldn't sense pressure and he couldn't move. He he could scramble around, but that's not moving. That's not sensing something. That's that's basically, oh my God, I'm going to be hit. So what should I do? As opposed to Keenum, who says. I'm going to be hit, so I'm going to duck. Now I'm going to move three steps to my left. Now I find a receiver down the field. All of this is really, really good. Um, but yes, this whole this entire team to me is built on the marriage that is so good, that's so impressive is this. Coaching and personnel. It's not now now the defense has some great parts. And and you could take you could take a Smith and Rhodes and Joseph Griffin. You could take that list and put and plop them on different teams, and they'd still be very good. But I believe that the ten and two success of this team, the starting point, is built on the fact that the coaching and the personnel married together worked very well. And I think the reason for that is what you see is a willingness on both sides of the ball to adjust in game. Nobody says this is my system and damn it you're going to run my system. Everybody says, you know what might be a good idea here to change this or change that. Offensively too, and offensive people are notorious for basically saying this is how I do things and we can't change it. If you look at what the Vikings have done from the day that Bradford got hurt to Shermer being willing to take case and say, okay, I'm going to change this and that. And it's probably subtle stuff, but it changes. And his willingness to make adjustments and his willingness to make adjustments during the course of a quarter or during the course of, of a drive, that's a huge deal. We don't know about it. We take it for granted. But I'm telling you, that is the starting point for how you have success, I think. Yeah, I think th- there's only a handful, a small handful of teams in the NFL where if you take away the quarterback, it's still a dominant team. If you just if you just put a guy at quarterback, it's it's still a dominant team. I think the Eagles, I mean Carson Wentz is a special talent, but 
the Eagles have put together such a great defense and they've just they've got things humming there where you can take a second year quarterback. The Rams are another example where, you know, the head coach is in the ear speakers of the second year quarterback telling him, you know, what to check to with 20 seconds left on the play clock. Um, I, but 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 most teams are so quarterback dependent, and I still think that to win a Super Bowl, you either have to have an absolute special defense or a quarterback who can go toe to toe with the Tom Brady's and the Ben Roethlisberger's, and we're going to find that out here coming up in the next couple months for the Vikings. But I'm just so impressed by the way that they've been able to adapt and tweak the things that need to be tweaked. They've checked their egos. All right, Laquan Treadwell, first round pick. You know what? He's just not, it ain't working, and he's going to play minimal snaps and maybe get a catch here and there. Uh, man, Willie Beavers and TJ Clemmings, we thought those guys were going to be freaks. Those were uh, draft picks that we invested time and energy into. You know what? It ain't working. Mm-hmm. Let's say goodbye to TJ Clemmings and, uh, you know, Willie Beavers, you're, you're off the, you're off the, uh, the island too. Um, they've, They've been able to admit mistakes. They've been able to adapt on the fly. You know, this whole uh, North Turner thing, yeah, uh, that got messy. But, you know, Pat Shermer's the guy. You know, they've so many NFL coaches and college coaches are stubborn, like you're saying. This is my offense, and this is the way we do things. This is my draft pick, and this is the – they've checked their egos. They've fixed problems. They've become versatile, and they've built something um, that – doesn't require Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers to bail them out week after week after week. It's impressive. 2016 is is still filled with with missteps and decisions that are questionable, and it's still filled with the fact that there was probably an angst that that didn't need to uh, to happen that occurred. All of that being said, I keep going back to what I've been saying, which is this. The most important question now is, what did you learn from it? Did you learn from it, or are you going to repeat those same mistakes and be defiant about what happened? And as far as I can tell, they learned from it. Spielman Spielman realized that that just basically uh, trying to say, well, we're, we're going to have competition at every position on the line is going to be great. He realized that that was not the answer. The answer was actually you got to go out and spend, and you've got to get reliable players there. You've got to go out and get b- backups who can actually play and aren't your draft picks who turn out to be terrible. Everything, what impresses me about the GM and coach is everything they did wrong last year, it seems like they learned from. And they both could have been very stubborn and probably have been at times, and they both could have said, that wasn't my fault. Guys got hurt. Our our tackles got hurt. That's not my fault. But instead of saying that, they said, okay, you know what? We had a 5-0 and team that I'm sure they saw had defensively at least had some big-time potential. And instead of trying to to take the blame and push it away, internally at least, it looks like they took it, they took the blame on and said, okay, what can we learn from this? I I will go back to the fact that Zimmer willingly brought in players he trusted and essentially said, where did I go wrong? For a head coach to do that, it would have been very easy for him to say, oh, I might have made some mistakes, but my guys didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And they went rogue in Green Bay. That's he, the sign of a great leader. I know, but, but, that, but to me... All of these things are what are impressive because he brought in people he trusted and said, you tell me what I did wrong, and clearly he listened to that. Remember at the end of the year, uh, even after their bad finish to the season, when you and Matthew Collar laughed at me for saying Mike Zimmer is one of the top five coaches in the NFL? You guys laughed and Because scoffed. he needed to learn, and he did. That's what impresses me. So you were right then. He yep. very you were easy, right all along. He very easily, I have covered a lot of coaches who don't learn. He learned. 
And you know what? Kudos to him. You are looking. Phil, you were right. Say it. You are looking. Phil, you were right. You, Mike Zimmer has been a top five coach. I, I will say that Rick Spielman. Say it. I will say Rick Spielman was right before I say that you were right. Rick Spielman might be executive of the year in the National Football League, gentlemen. Phil Mackey was correct. Say it. Come on. So hard. I'm like Fonzie. I was. <laughs> the pet or, or that liar liar movie with Jim Carrey. The pen is. That was ripped off from Happy Days. Was it? Okay. Yes. Jim Carrey did it well, though. Jim Carrey's um, great. The Vikings remind me of somebody, a team from recent NFL history. And this is very, very good news. I want to see if you agree with me on this, okay? Who the Vikings remind me of, Mackie and Judd. But we have a good bunch of guys. Um, you know, whether it's Kendricks or Thielen or Riley Reef or whoever it is, we've got a good bunch of guys, a good bunch of fighters on this football team. And, um, you know, um, and I think I think maybe they believe now. Mackie and Judd are back. Show me what you got. On 1500 ESPN. Kyle Rudolph top of your screen. Two touchdowns last week for him. Even rolling that way. Floating in end zone. There's McKinnon in front of his hometown fans. I'll tell you about the team the Vikings remind me of, and this is good news in uh, just a minute here, but we're, we're talking about what the Vikings have created and this infrastructure and Pat Shermer yep. and how you could, no slight to Case Keenum, but you don't need a star quarterback to look like a star in this offense because everything is so elevated, offensive line and skill position players. Mm-hmm. And they had that, what was that, a 15-play, 89-yard drive. The second touchdown, that, yes. They capped off with the uh, long. the Jarek McKinnon touchdown reception that Adrian Peterson totally would have run the same route. That was the caught. second one. No, no, they, the... Uh, the pass to Kyle was the 15-play drive okay. culminated. This was the first one, which actually started on a short field. Well, they get a second down and goal from the six. Keenum looking, lofting, ends a Rudolph touchdown! All of these successful drives blend together in my 15 mind. 15 plays, uh, eight minutes plus. So I contend touchdown drive number one yesterday is serves as the, the resume or the template for the success of the offense this year. So the Vikings uh, punt the ball. Quigley pins Atlanta. Atlanta gets pinned. Defense stops them. Atlanta punts back to you. You you get a short field to work with. If you remember, and this is not insulting him, but I didn't think Keenum was off to a fantastic start. His first pass was shaky. His first pass was questionable. It was batted down. It wasn't picked. Um, but I thought I thought in the opening series he was not fantastic. He wasn't going to kill you, but he wasn't helping you a lot. So you come back short field. You run a nine play drive. If you go back and look at that, it featured the uh, Latavius Murray thirty yard gain, which I think went to the Falcons three or two yard line. But it also featured of the nine plays seven runs. You found something that worked. It didn't rely on Keenum. It allowed Keenum to get settled. He made two passes, including the touchdown. But more importantly, Shermer consistently called runs that on seven occasions started to work for you. It This, this is, if you want to know what the difference in this Viking offense is, it's the fact that you had the ability, in Shermer's case, I think, to identify the fact that, that your quarterback was not off to a great start. You also know that your quarterback tends to, at least aside from the Washington game, settle in, right? So you allowed him to hand the ball off seven times. You went for a touchdown. And and for people who come back and say, well, yeah, of course you ran, because you, you ran when Peterson w- was here too. You end that drive with a pass to the running back, the exact type of pass that we were 
pining for Adrian to get and the type of catch that we were pining for him to make for years. That drive, if you want to see that that offense as a whole, the totality of that offense and why it's working, that drive was it to me. Yeah, versatility. It's it's all about versatility. And it's, it's kind of a good segue into the, just the, the nature of that win yesterday. It, it I had some comparisons in my mind before yesterday's game, but it really cemented it. This Vikings team reminds me of the five years ago upstart Seahawks. When they went 11-5 and five and then they, they, they lost in the divisional round of the playoffs, that was kind of the Vikings a couple years ago. And then they just had a million things go wrong, so they had that, that gap year that the Seahawks didn't have. But then the Seahawks, as they were really ramping it up, went 13-3, and three, and they wound up winning the Super Bowl. And then they went to another Super Bowl, should have won that if they would have handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. Uh, so they, they wind up with one Super Bowl, and we'll see what happens with, with the uh, Russell Wilson era. But that 2013 Seahawks team had a defense that was good enough to travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. They'd go on the road, and they'd have impressive road performances. Teams that thought they were hot coming into a game against the Seahawks not only lost, but then lost the next week as well, more often than not, just because they got so physically beat up playing the Seahawks. The Seahawks five years ago and the Vikings this year also have that same element of rising to the occasion in those key situations. Third down. They're both great third down teams. Great second half teams. The Vikings offensively are I think the best third down team in the NFL now after the Falcons went one for 10 yesterday. I have to add it up, but it was really close between the two teams and the Vikings were second offensively in third down. They were like 47% or something on third down Mm -hmm. and they allow 25% defensively on third down. So Mm -hmm. situationally great, your game plan and your defense travel on the road. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do it lighting up the air for 300 yards. That was training wheels. Russell Wilson in 2013, this team reminds me a lot of those Seattle teams from four, five, six years ago. Let's see, I'm seeing if I have a dollar because I'm going to have to say it. I have a five here. I'll put that right. Actually, down that there. could be a down payment for the five. I'll put that down. The there. five Teddy so mentions. I am already. I am already contributing because I'm going to have to say his name, but it's not going to be in the context of he he should start. To your point, I believe that the uh, 2017 Vikings are accomplishing exactly what they foresaw and hoped for with Teddy. This is basically it, right? Outstanding defense, versatile offense that the quarterback, by the way, not the running back, right? The quarterback gets to run. They ba- and and I believe I said this going into 15 or 16 when, when we talked about this, and we both agreed. Seattle was the team. Seattle was the team the Vikings looked at and said, that's us. We have a coach that can coach defense. We've got personnel pieces on defense that are really, really good. And offensively, what we need to do is we need to be sufficient, we need to not make dumb mistakes, and we need a quarterback who can run the offense. This, to me, is exactly what the Vikings foresaw when they drafted Teddy. The only difference is he's hurt and Case is the guy. Yeah. So there, uh, there's my five spots. Uh, you'll see if the if the ending can be different. Can you guys hear like the squeaking on this? Is that is that coming through the Oh, yeah, air? very clearly. Is it? Okay. <laughs> Every time mine, I... We might need shape. to get an oiled... Uh, just a little oh, can of oil grease for the microphone. or something there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if the ending for this year's Viking season can match up with the ending of that Seahawks season from five years ago. Six five one six four six eight two five five. What's up, Jim? You're on with Mackie and Judd. Yeah, you know we're talking about Case Keenum, and basically Case is Drew Brees before he got to New Orleans and Sean Payton and the infrastructure they have. Does Jim, that make I, sense? 
I mean, Jim, that's a bit of a stretch for me. Well, no, I'm not talking Hall of Fame caliber yet for Case or anything like that. But, you know, he when we signed him, I had a lot of trepidation thinking, oh, man, sure. we're in trouble, you know. And he's far better at a lot of stuff than I ever thought he was. But a lot of that goes to, like, say, the coaching and all this stuff, and he's flourishing right now. Yeah, he. I think there's a middle ground. Thank you, Jim. I think the difference is... Don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to be Kurt Warner and Drew Brees. Think, like, there's a middle ground for this discussion. I see what Jim is saying. I think the difference is this. I think if you took Drew Brees in his prime and put him on a bad team, he would prop them up in a big way. And this is not a criticism of Keenum, but I think what we have found is that is that Case has his strengths, but those strengths utilized within the context of an offense that works for him is going to make him successful. Therefore, if I now relocate uh, Case to the Colts, I think he's in trouble. And that's not a bad thing. But I think before we start to compare Case with star quarterbacks, that you need to understand that there's probably a group of five or so, if that, that you could transplant them to a team and they instantly make that team a contender. Yes. And there's not a lot of those guys. Yes. Like it's he's 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 performing well at a career level within the parameters of what the Vikings have set up. Hmm? The guys that you're talking about, the and you know, Kurt Warner it wasn't even really in this cat. Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer, but when you took away all of the the insulation around Kurt Warner, he was a backup. Like he would, like, was benched, was not playable for five or six years in his prime. I think Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, guys like that, if you take them away and then look at what the team is without them, it's a disaster. So, like he doesn't to say that he's Drew Brees or to say to say that he's Tom Brady is such a ridiculous stretch. Like he can be something less than that. I, th- I think what pe- I think what people see are similarities in how in how they're built and how they can move at times. I think that's it. Okay. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Andrew, you're on the show. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's going on, man? Excellent. I'm just calling to vent a little bit on the. I heard I was unfortunately listening to a little PA a topic terrorism this morning before I turned you guys on. Well, we appreciate that. Adam. You know, Andrew, we are we are the number one sports talk show on AM radio mid mornings in the Twin Cities. So, just want you to Perfect. know that. Yeah. He was talking about uh, Adam Thielen, and when he was uh, comparing him, when they were talking about the Patriots, Patriots way and all that, and all their wide receivers they had, he basically named every white wide receiver that has ever existed in the NFL. He, I, I'm just so, I'm tired of everybody, like, why can't Adam Thielen be compared to Randy Moss? Or, why, I mean, he has nothing in common with Wes Welker, other than the fact that he needs to go to a tanning salon to get a base before he goes on a vacation. <laughs> you know, I'll I'll give you two. All right, Andrew, and I I agree. It's I, it drives me nuts when we do the the white guy white guy comparison. Yeah. But the guy that pops into my head is Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is is still is still the best receiver. It's I mean Julio Jones is incredible too. But like I'll take Antonio Brown over Adam Thielen. But Adam Thielen feels like a slightly lesser version of Antonio yeah. Brown, where he can catch deep passes. He can do toe drags. He can be. Uh, he can move to the slot. He can line up pretty much anywhere. In fact, Stefan Diggs is pretty similar too in that I they're kind of interchangeable. You can go compare. slot. You can. Those two are very. Yeah, I, there's. 
if if people are trying to uh, uh, to paint Thielen as a possession guy who plays in the slot or something, that's completely incorrect. Now, now can he do that? Absolutely, and I think Diggs can too. But that's the nice thing about these two guys; they're versatile. Think think about this, and this is why my gripe with Peterson was so big. What you want in any sport now? Sports are becoming the the versatility in pro sports is becoming imperative, right? NBA, positionless now, correct? And so in football, my gripe with Peterson was there was a time when a player like that was unbelievable. Hall of Famer, no question, and you loved it. But look at what the Vikings have at wide receiver now, at running back. It's versatility. It's what can you do? Because if you can just do one thing, well, that's fine, but that's not great. But if you can catch the ball and you can block or or if you're a running back, you can run the ball, that's good, but you can also catch the ball out of the backfield and block. It's versatility. That's what's becoming in pro sports more and more important. Yeah. A um, lot more to talk about. Vikings 10-2. and two. Vikings are sitting as the number one seed right now in the NFC based on the fourth tiebreaker. Basically, quality of win is the uh, is the tiebreaker, and the Vikings have that right now. Well, it'll be common opponent nope. after this weekend. Actually, it's going to bump up to the second one, potentially. Conference it could, yeah. record, because they're, they're, they're both 8-1 and one now, so if one wins and one uh, drops the game, the uh, second tiebreaker will be the difference. Uh, so uh, a lot more to get into. Superstar Mike Morris in the noon. Courtney Cronin, Vikings insider for ESPN.com at 1130. Dave's got some stuff we should know about next, though. Pro football, college football, other stuff that went around on around here. How about this for a Thielen comp, non-white guy? Steve Smith. Yes. Yes. Undersized, got speed, can get open from anywhere. Can play him outside, play him in the slot. Sure. I'm, I think Ed McCaffrey makes a little more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Indeed.com. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. Post your next job opening on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. In sports, there's a lot of stuff you should simply be aware of. There was stuff going on that no one talked about. That's pretty heavy stuff. Let me show you some stuff. I don't do that stuff no more. This stuff can give you brain damage. And then there's the stuff you should know about. Lots of great stuff. This is the fun stuff. I love this stuff. Good stuff. Man, this stuff's good. This is that kind of stuff. I want to check that stuff out. Mackie and Judd now continues. This is very serious stuff we're talking about here. With stuff you should know about. And now live from the Vikings bandwagon, here's Dave Harrigan. I'm on. I'm not getting off until they force me off. Dang it, that's the way it's going to be. Geno Smith started a game for the Giants yesterday. Afterwards asked how he liked playing for Ben McAdoo, and he couldn't resist. I love Coach Mack. I think we all do. Um, I enjoy playing for him. I, you know, I, I want to continue to play for him uh, as long as I can. Um, but I did see one of my ex-coaches say he didn't want me to be his quarterback. And that really upset me. You know, the guy that we saved his job, 2013, you know, we fought our ass off for him both years. And for him to come out and say that just shows you how much of a coward he is. Okay, buddy. That being Rex. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, Rex Ryan has a lot of flaws as a coach. Who has more flaws, Geno Smith as a quarterback or Rex Ryan as a coach? Mm, I'd say Geno Smith. Yeah, I'll take Geno Smith for 500, please. Shut your mouth. And I love how he he, he gets one start for the first time in, what, two whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been a starter in a long time. And he gets up, and he first opportunity, instead of just shutting your mouth and, you know, thankful for the opportunity to potentially grab another starting job at some point, he goes and tees off on a, 
Like, if you're a head coach around the league or a GM looking to, oh, yeah, it's Geno Smith. Maybe he's matured. Uh, no, he hasn't. So shut your mouth. Speaking of people who haven't matured, Rob Gronkowski. Definitely want to apologize to number 27. I mean, I'm not in the business of that. I mean, it was a lot of frustration, and uh, I was just really frustrated at, at that moment. It just just happened uh, naturally through emotions and frustration, and uh, just want to uh, apologize. I know, don't 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 really believe in type of shots like that, but just through the frustration process, uh, game of football emotions, uh, just just just. What, what happened? It's frustration process, game of football emotions. Yeah, you throw out the. I assume you guys saw the hit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw White of the Bills intercepts a pass, is lying on the ground, out of bounds, and Gronk just dives on him shoulder on ahead. I watched it like four times, and the more I watched it, I think Gronk was was going after a a wrestling move of some sort. It looked like a wrestling move. It's a people's shoulder. It, but but it looked like because. The frustration thing is sort of BS because he had a lot of time to perhaps cool off by going and hit. If you go watch it again, it looks like a WWE move to me. Uh, I don't know if it was a WWE move, but I know that he said he's not in the business of hits like that, and that's not that's not what he does. No, but you are now because <laughs> you did deliver that. How hit. long is the suspension? At least a game. Yeah, I, I think, think he gets two, ga- two games. I think he gets two games. They appeal down down to one. And by the way, didn't you just tell us last week that Gronk very proudly says at family get get-togethers, there's usually a person that goes through a table. No, he's been through tables. Yeah. yeah. So don't tell me you're not about that. Marshawn Lynch didn't speak to reporters much after the game. I know that's not a surprise, but there was a very good reason today, courtesy of ESPN's Paul Gutierrez. I'm sorry, though. Look, Marshawn said as he showed reporters a notice from his locker that he had been selected for a random drug test after the game. (laughs) It's either this or that, and I can't afford that. I apologize. But if you do not understand what this is, it's when you put your ding-ding sauce out and give them a sample. Oh, okay. According to the urine test, of course. Ding ding, huh? Ding ding sauce. Never, yes. that's good. Never heard that one. That's a new Very one. Very interesting. Way of putting it. All right, I'm gonna have to start mixing that into my uh, <laughs> you do that your repertoire. Yeah, you you include that in your conversation. <laughs> Funny get, some cold cuts, get some cold cuts. Get some cold cuts. Identify this sound if you can. I got nothing there. I, yeah. it's, uh, is that the boy? You'd have to know your college football fight or college fight songs really well to know that. That would be the Texas A&M marching band or pet band yeah. on the tarmac at College Station as literally the carpet was rolled out wow. from motorcade to the Texas A&M jet as Jimbo Fisher emerged from the jet. Don't tell me we don't have a few bucks in college football. Exactly. As you, as, oh my God. As you said all of those things, and what Jimbo Fisher is going to make, is it $72 million over it's 10, 10 years, years or right? something? And uh, we can't give five bucks to a wide receiver. And in fact, not only can we not give you five bucks, if you try to sell a t-shirt off of your Instagram account, yes. you're suspended or expelled. 
So can we can we just admit that college sports are corrupt beyond belief and move on and just start to openly cheat? Yes. I mean, just but I mean, you know, let's not hide it. And like I've been appealing uh, to to the U of M to do now for at least six months. Hang the damn 1997 Final Four banner back up and tell the NCAA to get lost. Say everybody cheats. The Gangelhoff thing was small potatoes. We are going to take all the victories back. We are going to honor Clem. That 97 team, we're going to bring them in, and we are going to re-raise that banner because all of you people are so corrupt. Why should anybody play by the rules? Anybody watch some SEC championship game? Georgia beating up on Auburn? Big time, yep. Well, so did this guy. He's a Georgia fan, lives down south, loves his dogs. Oh, boy. He also has a neighbor who happens to be a big Auburn fan. Oh, no. So the fella, I believe the name is John, Sunday morning, got up nice, bright, and early, still in his jam jams in the PJs and got out onto the uh, on the front porch, onto the driveway, and pulled out a nice little microphone and a big old amplifier he had with him, aimed towards his neighbor's house. Good morning, neighborhood. We'd like to congratulate the Georgia Bulldogs on their fine SEC victory last night. And I'd particularly like to say go dogs to my neighbors, the Faulkners. It's 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I just wanted to see if y'all could give us a shout out. Go dogs! Huh? We beat the dog crap out of you. Huh? Well. Is he barking? Wake up! Well, coffee, daddy. Because the dog's going to whoop that ass. I am. Was he barking? He gave a couple whoops. I am only half joking when I when I say this. I was waiting for the gunshots. <laughs> I was waiting for a gunshot. I was waiting for the neighbor to come out and take a shot at this guy. No dogs. Be shocking. No, it wouldn't. Would it be? No, it wouldn't be. Uh, this is probably my favorite all-time ejection. NFL yesterday, Marcus Peters, Kansas City Chiefs. He took the flag. The flag ended up in the stands. I have never seen that before in my life. Have you? No. In case you're wondering how things are going for the Chiefs lately. (laughs) I didn't know that. A penalty called on a two-point conversion by the Jets. So to give them another shot at Peterson, or Peter's so mad, he grabs the flag and chucks it 20 20 rows up. Yeah, the the Chiefs, uh, somebody might want to send some help over there for Andy Reid and company. I love it. It's fantastic. The less flags in that game, the better. Yeah. yeah. Let's and get them out of the game. And you see the poor ref who threw the flags. Well, now I have to throw the hat. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, So did Marcus. they get the flag back? How do you go about getting the flag back from the guy in the crowd who... I don't know. It was a few kids that had it. And then, you know, the one kid's grabbing and holding up. He's all excited. And his buddies are slapping him on the back. I don't know. Is it like in baseball where if someone hits a milestone home run and you have the ball, then you can basically, like, bargain for other things? I'll give you the ball back (laughs) if you give me an autographed bat, some free tickets, right? Like, do they have to barter with the officials? Hey, we'll give you the flag back, but I'm going to need three autographed refs jerseys. If I catch that flag, I'm out of there. Jets game, who gives a day? I'm running. I'm taking the flag home. Yeah, it'd be great if you could just you could have that flag in everyday life situations. That's if somebody if somebody next. cuts you off at a four way intersection, you throw the flag. Forget that. Just just with the wife alone. <laughs> <laughs> she like goes to take the remote control, you throw the flag, blow your whistle. <laughs> Do you throw it at her? 
No, because those flags can hurt you. Yeah, who was the got guy the that, that never played again? Orlando that... Brown of the uh, uh, Brown was it? Orlando something? I think it was I with the Browns. For Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, somebody got it uh, in the face yesterday. The Falcons, right? Was it Mac? Oh, did he? Yeah, well, somebody I didn't got know one. That. Yeah, those things have like sand, like, like sand or pillow yeah. bags like or something. Yeah. Look at the white flag. Very dangerous. Uh, one more note: Wolves last night they did get a victory over the Clippers at home. A lot of points from Jimmy Butler. But you gotta love the guy for this. Sadly as it is, we just we just outscored him once again. Um, our defense wasn't where it was supposed to be. A win's a win, but uh, I want to I want to play some defense one of these days. That was Tamarney after the game. He's the best. Uh, he scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, and he's talking specifically to Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, but besides that, they were fantastic. Well, I love that he's. He wants to win a certain way, and Tom Thibodeau wants to win a certain way. Yep. And I think you're going to have to win that way if you want to combat the Warriors. You're not going to get into a, a shootout with the Warriors and beat them. So you're going to have to do it the opposite way. So, yeah, they're they're 13 and 10, I want to say now, or 14 and 10, somewhere yep. in there. But he's clearly not happy. Had again last night a couple of times. I have no idea what he was doing defensively. And I'm pretty sure he didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, should we should we go wall to wall Clippers and, and Wolves reaction now from this point to one <laughs> o'clock? Let's break down NBA hey, defenses. Go first, Rutgers too. We'll take your calls six five one six four six eight two five five. We will have our football observations at eleven o'clock and so much more on the Vikings between now and one. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com at eleven thirty. Superstar Mike Morris in the noon. It is Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey. He's got the body language of a whiner. Judd Zolgad. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a garbage dumpster of crap coming out of it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN. Visit St. Paul, the city of St. Paul, and Wells Fargo. Invite you to experience Wells Fargo Winter Skate, a free outdoor artificially chilled skating rink in downtown St. Paul at Rice Park. It's open seven days a week, located in the heart of the city. Winter Skate creates a fun winter experience for visitors of all ages. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Breaking NFL news. Not shocking. There are some rumors that this might go down today, but the Giants are cleaning house. Yes. The Giants are god-awful. Not a moment too soon. They started Geno Smith yesterday, who then ran his mouth after the game about Rex Ryan, even though they like it's uh, Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo. He gone. And he gone. Updating their LinkedIn profiles today. So uh, one of the most storied franchises in the history of the NFL is looking for a GM and a coach and probably a quarterback. Now, they both could have saved their jobs until the end of the year. I believe if they could have just gone back a week now and handled their QB situation a little smoother, right? The Eli Manning thing was on. That's that is in the midst of a season this bad. What gets you both fired immediately? I think you can both survive until the day after the season, at which point you're you're uh, showing the door. But how do you mismanage that that badly for the sake of at least one game? Their one game post Eli is going to be Geno Smith. Like, if you've got a hot, young quarterback who you got to see, okay, I could see trying to get there to start him, and that makes some sense. But really, Geno Smith? Yeah, but they're not doing it because they think Geno Smith I understand is actually, that. They're doing it to tank. That's that's pretty much what they're doing, right? They want to get they want to get okay. Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, so they're doing it to tank. Right, but if you're going to And they do, should tank. But yes, but if you're going to do it then do it in in what is perceived as a classy way because basically basically they got fired 
because this was so poorly done. Like, if you're going to tank, first of all, everyone has to be on board when, when it comes to the people that own the team. But second of all, you bungled this as poor. The only per the person who comes out of this looking fantastic well, is one guy, Eli Manning. He's and, the one guy that looks yeah. fantastic. I think Eli is going to take some perverse pleasure in saying goodbye to the Giants organization. Uh, I I don't think he's going to do like you know guns a blazing. I don't think he's going to he's not going to rip anyone, but he's going to take some pleasure in going to the Jaguars and reuniting with Tom Coughlin or going to the Broncos. And uh, and working under John Elway just like sure. his brother Peyton did. It's funny though because because pe people forget now when Eli came into the league he was seen as a snot nosed kid whose whose dad whose daddy basically said you're not going to play for the Chargers and we're going to force your your way out we are not going to play and people were like this kid's uh this what's wrong with him what's wrong with his family and now people look at him and say what a good guy. And it's true. I mean, he looks fantastic. He answered every question. He conducted a press conference at his locker yesterday. Yeah. He's handled this as well as you possibly could. I don't know. I think sometimes we get, we get so caught. I, I don't have a huge problem with any of this, really. I mean, I, would I have maybe handled it differently with Eli? I don't know. Probably. But it's the end of the road. Your coach can't cut it. He's blaming everyone in the locker room. Your GM... And personnel people refuse to fix the offensive line. And Eli Manning's 36 years old, and it's the end of an era. It's just the end of an era in New York. It doesn't have to be anything. It's fine. Right, but it, it, it happens end, in sports. It's the end of the, it's it's the end of an era. But it can end in a semi classy way, or it can end like this, which is a complete cluster bleep unnecessarily. This is where it's not going to matter see, in the end. But this but this is where I have problems because there's no common sense applied. There's okay. no well. Those guys got they, and they got fired because right, of it. Right, but that's what so. I'm saying. Is you looked at them last week and you said you guys are idiots. Like yeah. there's a there they, is a and way they got fired. there is a way to do this. The way you don't want to is and, and plus if they're tanking, they're now fired. So it didn't it didn't exactly work. I mean, if their goal was let's well, ownership, tank to try and ownership save, has, has demanded got, the tanking. Because but my point is, you've then got to get everybody on board to say if we're going to do this, what's the best strategy to do it? Because if we want to tank, which is fine, we need to do it in, in a way where we don't take a star athlete who's won two Super Bowls in this town and basically try and and make him look like an idiot, which they did. Uh, the pa the Packers should have maybe taken a note from the the Giants or a page from the Giants, and that if you have a chance to reset and get a star quarterback in the draft, you should take it. The Packers, by winning yesterday and by bringing Aaron Rodgers back here, might win an extra game or two. They're going to finish like seven and nine or eight and eight or even nine and seven mm -hmm. out of the playoffs mm -hmm. and out of the top top player in the draft range where they're you know they're not drafting in the top five. That's fine. <laughs> For, you know, they dug their own grave this season. If if I I still contend this, I get the fact that if they're in playoff contention, Rodgers is going to want to play. If I'm the Packers, I say it's not worth it. Yeah, at this it's point, just like, not just, worth like, it. Like even if they lost the rest of their games, they're not going to be. If if they could lose the rest of their games, not that I really give a rip. Whether they they're six and six now, so they could get to uh, six and ten, mm -hmm. and maybe draft like sixth or seventh overall, mm -hmm. and then take the best defensive player available or whoever that may be. Go get some. Parts. Um, let's come back here. Football observations, which will include the controversial decision to take Alabama over Ohio State to the uh, four-team college football playoff, and then a lot more on Vikings as well. And they're standing in the NFC. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com, Vikings Insider at 11.30, and superstar Mike Morris in the new in Mackie and Judd.